About two months ago, I was interviewed for a series on Dan Ashendorf's YouTube channel. This man is an internet marketing boss, and I am so honored to have been included in his series of videos on how to build an email list. Now, we talked specifically about how to do this with strategic partnerships. This is the way that I have built my business, not just with email, but also social media and everything in between. So strap yourself in because this interview was super high value. And I think it's so important that I bring it here to you so you can hear about high energy, low energy, high effort, low effort activities, and all the little details of partnerships, how to create them, how to grow with them, and also how to make them work for you. You may want to grab a pen and paper for this one. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Justine Beauregard, and I've been a marketer and sales trainer since 2008. I'm also the founder of Compassionate Marketing, and I'm committed to delivering you fresh perspectives about branding, marketing, and selling that will change how you do business for the better. Each week, you'll be given tips, strategies, insights, and interviews that leave you feeling clear on your next steps and your simplest path to success as an entrepreneur. Let's dive right into this week's episode. You're listening to the Compassionate Marketing Podcast. Hello there, everyone. Welcome to this call. Today, I've got someone really special. Her name is Justine, and she's come and visited us all the way from the US to talk to us about building list through strategic partnerships. So that sounds really, really exciting. So um, thanks very much, Justine, for making the time to come and uh, speak to us. And um, can you hear me okay? Can you see me okay? Everything? Yes. Nice one. So before we start, Justine, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. So my name is Justine Beauregard. I am a marketing strategist and coach for Compassionate Entrepreneurs. I founded Compassionate Marketing, and a lot of people don't know what that is, so I'll explain to you really quickly. Basically, I believe compassion is empowered empathy. And I'm in a service industry, and I think even if you sell products, you're still in the service industry because you still have to provide an exceptional customer experience. And compassionate marketing is basically holding a deep care for people at everything that you do. So when you market, when you sell, when you provide services, when you nurture, when you build partnerships, all of that, you really want to come at it from a place of helpfulness and service. And so... My background is actually in software marketing. I did that for eight years in corporate, working for startups that were either merged or acquired over the years, anywhere between 30 million and 300 million. And then I transitioned over to entrepreneurship about seven years ago in 2014. And what I've learned is that partnerships have been the foundation of how I've built my business. So I've actually had two businesses. The first one was a consulting business that I built to six figures. And then about two years ago, I became a coach, tapped on to that marketing strategy title. And when I became a coach, I attracted 204 paying customers in my first year as a coach. And I did it all through partnerships and referrals. So I'm really excited to share today how I did that in a little bit more detail. Yeah, that, that's um, really opportune actually, because um, I'm just launching a product. We've launched a product yesterday. We went through uh, JVs and affiliates. So I think that's probably a good example. And I, I wholeheartedly endorse what you say. I think it's the easiest, the fastest, and the best way to enter any industry. If you can find some strategic relationships and partnerships that's going to really accelerate everything that you're doing so really um, excited to talk about that so can you give us some 
examples of partnerships? What, what kind of is it people in your niche that have got an audience or how, how does it, uh, you know, how does it work? Yeah. So I think that there's so many um, very niched ways that people partner. And so you can get really caught up in like only this vertical, only this industry. I actually consider partnerships in a very broad sense. So I think you can partner activities. I think you can partner with people in your space. And I think you can partner with people who are not in your space. So for instance, um, I actually went back to my email service provider and downloaded some of these metrics of how many thousands of people came from this one sector versus this one effort. Um, and what I found was that there were sort of a couple of core things that contributed to the first 10,000 people on my list. And that all happened within a single year. And I even went as far as to break down uh, the timeframes by which those people were brought into the list, because it's really very interesting. So you've got to think about your effort to do this versus like the energy that goes into it, right? Because there's a cost for everything you invest your time in in your business. And sometimes the effort can be really low, but the energy investment can be really high. So I'll give you an example. A low effort, high energy investment is joining a Facebook group and posting for people to come on your list. Like I've got a lead magnet, you know, promote yourself today. I'm sure you've seen tons of these things on Facebook where every day you are doing really low effort because you may even have a canned response that you just post into these groups every day. And it doesn't take much to do it, but it really sucks your energy. And so you try to avoid those types of things because when I was looking at self-promo, I was looking at maybe a hundred people a week, but very, very high energy invested into those things. And I found myself also getting sidetracked really easily, like going down the rabbit hole in the comment threads and spending an hour instead of the five minutes that I committed to. And I think we've all broken boundaries when it comes to social media. So that's one example. Another one was my highest level of effort, but my lowest level of energy. And that was speaking at virtual events and workshops. So in a single hour, I was able to add a thousand people to my email list by speaking on a virtual stage, just like this one about some topic that was going to help and impact thousands of people. Now, virtual stages, if you've got an event with 25 speakers that all have a list of 10,000 people, you've got massive exposure. That's a quarter of a million people. There's a very high likelihood that even if a small percentage of them attend your segment, if they're engaged during the segment, they're going to want to sign up for your lead magnet, your freebie, or get on your list for some other reason. So those are two examples of extremes of low effort, high energy, and high effort, low energy. Can I, uh, this is really interesting, lots of value there. Can, can we just share screens? I'm going to write some of this down, okay? So that, because yeah. uh, I think people, a lot of people tend to retain um, information as well when they actually see it. So I'm totally a visual learner. I get it. <laughs> right. And I've got my little zippy jot here. And uh, so what, what we're saying is, um, uh, so we're looking at, uh, it, is it leveraging? Is that the right word? Or is it, um, but probably is, isn't it? Leveraging other people's uh, sort of, uh, I don't know. Um, other people's audiences. Yeah. So leveraging audiences, other people's audiences. I also like to think about it as 
building your business on the backs of giants. I think that is a Napoleon Hill concept from, uh, you know, think and grow rich or something. But there is this thought that there are people in every industry who've been doing this probably longer than you, right? Coaches who've been doing things longer than me. I'm always like, who are those people? Where do they spend their time and effort and what audiences have they built? And then, you know, you get to decide when is the right time to build authority and create your own audiences versus in the very beginning, it's so much easier to just build your business on the backs of giants. These people who have already invested tens of thousands of hours and dollars into building these massive, amazingly engaged communities, and they've put in all the effort and you're starting from ground zero, sometimes it's really good to hold off on the authority building and the audience building of your own and really focus on what can I do inside of these spaces to A, learn how effective they're becoming and what's the reasoning behind that, and B, how can I create connections so that I can grow my audience that much faster when I finally decide to kind of make that transition? Okay, yeah, nice one. Was it high energy, low effort, or high energy, low results, or... So high energy, low effort is sort of, um, that's the example of the Facebook group where you're spending a lot of your energy, but it's not a lot of hard work to go build leads. So that's like really direct efforts. I would think about it more as like, that is very um, outbound marketing, right? That's very like high effort or high energy spending out there. And then the other one would be more inbound marketing. Like the, the effort is high because you've got to put together a presentation. You've got to, you know, do all these things to build relationships and find the opportunities and all of that. But it's very low energy because once you show up for 40 minutes, you're done. Right. So speaking at events, for example. Okay. So, okay. So you've touched on two types of synergies. The first one is to, if we look at it kind of in terms of the key, right? So we want to, we, we, we need to have a key to unlock someone's audience. So the first one is getting to groups and that that's an easy key to get, isn't it? Because, you know, for example, in our group here, the one that we're talking in today, there's 2,800 people in there, you know, they need to, to purchase something or um, generally if they purchase one of my products, they get in, right? So <laughs> it's pretty simple to get in. Um, but they don't have to be an authority. They don't need to have published a book or anything like this. Whereas, you know, speaking at events, you need to be kind of a a person of authority, someone who's going to be attracting an audience, someone that people are willing to pay to see or whatever, something like that, right? Well, here's what's really interesting about that. So I have a podcast called Ask the Marketing Expert, and there's a whole episode dedicated to when you should build authority in your business. So the key about this one, most people have it backwards. They think I'm just going to go. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little bit high effort, but it's low energy. I'm just going to go get those speaking engagements. Why not? Right. I'd rather do that than spend all my time in Facebook groups. The flaw with that is that you have to have built your own audience to a certain level for those events to want you, right? You've you've got to have like a track record of success, something that's going to draw people to you and want you to speak. If an event with tens of thousands of people is only selecting 25 speakers, if you have an audience of 12 people, 
they're going to pick someone else over you because the entire point is to basically balloon their own audience that much more by leveraging the audiences of smaller people, right? And collaborating in an intentional way to grow their own business and brand and awareness for their offers. So it's sort of a chicken egg scenario. I think the same thing happens with writing a book. If you want to sell a ton of your book, you should build the community first so that when you release the book, everyone is ready to buy it, right? Everyone wants a copy. But if you build the book hoping it will bring you audience, you're going to be basically moving uphill in the snow with no shoes on or whatever that old saying is that my dad used to say to me all the time. You know, it's just this very, very high energy investment into something where you're spending a lot of time trudging through the mud trying to do it, where it's actually quite easy to build your own audience, leveraging other people's audiences. It's sort of like a bell curve, right? Like you spend so much time in other people's audiences, you build yours to a certain point, then you can start to sustain on your own and kind of move and transition into the really low effort and low energy list building ongoing activities. Right. Okay. So you need to be building a community first. And then with that, it's almost like having an asset with that. You can actually go out and say, look, I've got this community. Do you want to feature me? basically. Yeah, theoretically, or, you know, beyond that community, it's like, because they're going to ask you, and just this is kind of going beyond the realm of just email marketing and partnerships. But when you get speaking engagements, they're going to want to know how many people are on your list to know how many people you have access to for social media, because part of your agreement for speaking engagements is to promote their event to your audience. So some events, they might even say like, you sound amazing, I love your resume, tell me more about your audience. And what they're really looking for is, do you have enough people to hit our lowest threshold? And often it's five to 10,000 people on your email list to start with at a very bare minimum event. Right, okay. So is there a way to, I mean, some of the people are gonna be watching this are gonna be complete newbies, they have no, um, community, they have no audience, they, they want to, to start somewhere. So is there a way to leverage uh, someone else, almost like what we call piggyback uh, in the launching space, we call it piggyback on someone's list because we, yeah. uh, you know, we, we, they, they basically send our product to their list. Is there a way to do this when you're just starting out? Yeah, of course. So here's the thing. Whenever someone comes to me and says, I have nothing to offer people, I'm always like, that's incorrect. You've got something to offer people. You just don't feel like it's good enough, right? And so you've really got to mine the assets you have available to you and not just public assets like how many people are on your social media profiles or how many people are on your email list, but what do you have that is of tremendous value to the person, right? If you're asking for the opportunity to speak in front of 100,000 people on a virtual stage, you've got to assume I've got to bring, I just say this to myself, I've got to bring a dollar worth of value for every person. So that's $100,000 worth of value. What does that look like? What does that feel like? And when you explore that, you might find, you know, maybe you have some micro influencers that you partner with and you say, hey, I'd love to do a social media swap. 
I would just like to introduce myself to your audience and provide them with some really high value tips. And you can come onto my page and actually promote your paid products and services, right? So automatically they're getting the opportunity, even if you've only got a following of like 500 people, that's still 500 more people that are totally aligned. And you've done your research and said, these people want what you're offering and come up with creative ways to provide value to them that goes beyond the surface of what's available. So you're always looking for how can I, the very first thing you do when you reach out for partnerships, you speak to them as how can I provide you with value? You never ask them for anything until you've offered them something that is so tremendous in value. They're like, oh my gosh, what do I need to do for that? That sounds amazing, right? Right. So you for the first thing you go, so you got someone cold and you say, how can I offer you value? What is it that you need to make this meeting, this engagement, this product, whatever it is, what is it that you need in order to make it a success? Um, yeah, I like to think about it like leading with a compliment. So an example of a dialogue and things that I've actually sent to people before. I do a little bit of research, right? I will look at their profile. I'll be like, oh, they've got like three times my audience. I wonder how I could approach this. And I start to get creative with it. I look at some of their old posts. I look at some of the people commenting. I'm like, hmm, there's a lot of overlap in the hashtags that we're using. There's a lot of overlap in our content. So I'll reach out to them and I always compliment them first right? That's just kind of a trait of mine. Every time I go to the grocery store, every time I go to the bank, I, the first thing I do is find something about that person and compliment them because it makes people feel good. Why not do it, right? It takes no effort. So I will often say something like, oh my goodness, your past 10 posts on Instagram have been so amazing. I think my audience would really benefit from the value that you're providing on your own page. I'm wondering, like, is there something that you're looking to share or that you would like to broaden your audience or exposure with? Like, I'm happy to open up my Instagram to you so you can get exposure to my audience. And usually when you come at it from this place of like, I love your stuff and I want to add value to you, that person will be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Is there anything I could do for you? It's almost like a reflex. Human behavior, we're very social creatures and we're very servant-oriented usually. And depending on the industry that you're in, like I'm in the coaching space, there are a lot of people I'm connected to on Instagram who are very similar to me. They're compassionate, they're kind, they're service-oriented. So when I reach out to them and say, I love what you're doing, is, you know, is there anything coming up like a launch or something that you'd like to leverage my audience for? How can we collaborate? Like this, this will be such a fun opportunity. And sometimes it's a no. And sometimes it's a, oh my goodness, yes, how can I offer you value? And sometimes it's a, oh my goodness, yes, and that's it. And then you've got to get into a little bit of the, you know, what do I do next? Do I ask them right away for some sort of collaborative opportunity? Or do I kind of leave it at that? Do I create an opportunity for myself later where I say like, oh, my audience has been loving your content, hoping you're getting lots of sales. Now that it's been a few weeks, I'm wondering, like, is there anything you've got going on that maybe I could leverage your audience for? And then just kind of see what the opportunities are that are available to you. I mean, the end goal is once you've decided that you want to trade, you've got to be creative and, for lack of a better word, pretty relentless with some people in making sure that there is, like, the symbiotic relationship happening. And if it's not, it's okay, 
right? You go into it desiring to serve your audience with the most value. And if you believe that person is truly going to add value, then it's okay if they don't want to give you access to their audience. You just know that that's not a true partnership and you're going to go find other people who are true partners to you. Are you loving this content? If you are, I can guarantee you're gonna love the Compassionate Marketing Collective. In it, you'll get a library of marketing resources, live weekly calls, 24-7 access to feedback and guidance, peer-to-peer accountability and support, and members-only events and trainings. You're gonna love it in there. Visit growthmindsetmarketers.com today for details or click the link in the show notes. I'll see you inside. Nice one. I've actually broken down your um, so the, the last sort of couple of minutes into five steps, and this will be a cold approach to a potential JV, right? Yeah. So I uh, always ask, how, how can I offer you value, offer a genuine compliment and a word of appreciation? And for that, what's good about this is the fact that you really need to be doing a bit of homework. You need to be observing them. Uh, you're going to be learning something in the process, but then that gives you the tools to actually make contact with them, which is good. Um, I would then, move that one up a line. Which one? Sorry. So move, offer a genuine compliment, appreciation above, ask, how can I offer you value? And then yeah. also keep this in mind. Practice makes you better, right? So the longer you do this, it might take you 30 minutes to do your homework with the first five people, right? But the more you do this, the more instantaneous your Uh, getting at these types of observations. Like I could go on someone's Instagram now in about a minute and a half. I know exactly what their value is, what my value to them is and how that partnership would work. Right. But I've been doing it for a long time. When I started, I would have to spend 20 minutes like scrolling someone's profile and looking through it. So not only will you get more efficient at it, the more you do it, but just like you said, Dan, you're going to get some information about what posts are their audience, you know, if our audiences are aligned, what posts are they making that their audience is responding really well to? You have access to a lot of public metrics, a lot of public hashtags and content and visuals that you can really gather a lot of data for your own profiles to improve. So not only will you get more efficient at reaching out, you'll also have a better understanding of your people, which is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of, you've mentioned public information there is one called social blade which is a good one for engagement on instagram isn't it that's kind of the uh, the holy grail almost and uh and as you said hashtags and the such like so um i've added another one as well you need to identify who you want to approach so you, you yes. need to sit in there with a you know with a, with, with a paper and a pen and just making notes and maybe coming out with maybe 10 different names and then you know, doing that, uh, so for a genuine compliment and appreciation, always ask, how can I offer you value? Uh, hopefully they're going to re- reciprocating. And also I've added something as well that's kind of uh, in between the lines is don't be afraid to ask, you know, because unless you ask, you're not going to get it. So right. let's just do it. And it's going to be a numbers game, isn't it? And I think most people either don't ask or they don't even start. Uh, so they just do none of the above. And uh, that's interesting. So do you, do you find that Instagram, in terms of platforms, do you find that Instagram is a good one to, to do this in? Because I I really have no um, experience in doing that. I mean, we, we do it a lot on Facebook. So we have a kind of a circle of JVs. It's about 100. Yes. And, we, you know, we kind of work with them. But uh, is, is, did you find Instagram is a good, good place to, to, to go out and reach to people? 
I mean, here's the thing. You've got to pick your focus platform, right? If everything you're doing is on Facebook and you want to grow your audience on Facebook, then that's where you want to hold those, you know, kind of uh, social media collaboration calls or videos or anything like that. When I started my business, I was all about Facebook. 100% of my effort was there. I grew an audience of 5,000 people in a year. And then I said, okay, I've pretty much built this to self-sustaining. Every week I get about 50 to 100 new members in the group. It's growing itself. Facebook is recommending the group. I don't really have to do anything there. So now I'm going to switch my focus platform to Instagram because it integrates with Facebook. And I have a lot of uh, audience building that I've been doing on Clubhouse, which is another way that I built my list, which I'm happy to talk about. Um, but Clubhouse is connected to Instagram and I'm not a fan of Twitter. So that's just a personal preference, right? Like if you're a fan of Twitter, go on Twitter. If you love video and you're all about TikTok, like that's a massively growing platform. It just outperformed, what was it? YouTube on the number of videos viewed every single month. It was, it's insane. The amount of audience growth that's been happening over there. So it really depends on how your kind of funneling people through to your offers. Are you really focused on Facebook? Because that's probably the best place. If you are doing collaborations on Instagram, but you're looking to grow your Facebook or you're, you know, spending all of your time on Instagram doing these collabs, and then you're kind of leaving your focus platform of Facebook in the dust, then you've got to be really mindful of that because Growing your email list strategically and having the least amount of steps in your funnel is really important as well. So there's a lot of considerations to be had. But for me personally, having been focused on growing my Instagram over the past two or three months and really seeing some massive changes over there with some social media collaborations, I would say, yes, it's effective. But every single platform can be equally as effective. Hey, let's talk about Clubhouse for a bit because I'm really fascinated by them. I um, I keep hearing uh, there's Russell Brunson who he just yeah. he's really plugging that away. So this is um, two things I wanted to say about it. First of all, it's just for voice, right? It's a voice. It's almost like a podcasting thing where you're you're putting an MP3 or whatever. So it's a voice-enabled technology, right? Clubhouse. Yes, it is a voice-based platform, but they did just add some back-channel messaging component to it. So you're able to kind of have both depending on how proactive you are. Okay. Um, and the other thing is you need to, you can only join by invite. Is that right? I don't, I don't think that's true anymore. Right. So since okay. they've opened it up to Android users and then the platform has scaled, They've actually seen um, some slight decreases recently in their user counts. So I think they unlocked and opened that up, but I'm not 100% sure because I've just been on it for so long and everyone that I know is already on it. So <laughs> I don't think about invites anymore. Right. So it's that's the other thing I was going to say is it used to be just the iPhone, but now it's open to Android as well? It is, yeah. Oh, nice one. Okay. Well, I'd, I'd look forward to joining that because... I, I just happened to have an Android and I could just never, never join. So, um, same. Yeah. I actually bought an iPad so I could get on it. And the month after I bought the iPad, it came out for Android. And I was like, <laughs> man, <laughs> now I've got this iPad that's just sitting around my house somewhere. <laughs> oh, crazy. Um, so is it a, is it a good place to build an audience? I mean, is it busy? I mean, here's the thing about Clubhouse. I do not have my own space on Clubhouse and I have over 2000 followers and about three months of effort on the platform. So you can reach pretty massive 
exposure pretty quickly if you get yourself locked in with the right partners, right? So Clubhouse for me was a massive partnership tool. I started in, I think I created my account in March, but I didn't really get involved in the platform. I tested out like one or two rooms and then I wasn't really getting any traction. And I was like, okay, I've got to be strategic. I've got to find the biggest room for entrepreneurship that I can find and insert myself into that room, right? So I started scouring the rooms. I would spend like kind of fragments of my day. I would go on in the morning and see what was available in the morning. I would go on in the afternoon, see what was available in the afternoon. And then I ended up stumbling on this room for million dollar earners. And it was a marathon room that went on for over 80, 80 days, 84 days or something like that. Complete marathon. The room never stopped. It was the longest running room in clubhouse. And I, when I went into this room, um, I went on stage and was just going to do a, a quick intro and someone was asking a question that I knew the answer to. And I had a really good response. It was about marketing. And so I raised my hand and said, I, I have some feedback for this person. And the leader and facilitator of the room said, yeah, you're welcome to chime in. So I gave my 30 seconds of advice to this person and the leader of the room was like, I'm going to give you a moderator badge and keep you up on stage in case anyone else has questions because that response was really good. And then that's kind of the beginning of my exposure on Clubhouse. I came in about halfway through their marathon. There were hundreds of people in the room every day, and almost all of the questions were about marketing, branding, or sales, which is my area of expertise. So I would answer the questions, provide feedback, and people were blown away with the amount of progress they were making, and they would come back to the room, and they would ask for me specifically. And so I started making it a part of my marketing actions, and not only did I grow my email list by about a thousand people a month in that clubhouse room, but I also was able to create $40,000 of revenue that was completely unplanned just in the past three months from using the platform. It has been phenomenal for my business. Wow, that's insane. Maybe we should have another uh, conversation at some stage about just about Clubhouse, because that sounds like an amazing little platform. It's really great. Yeah, I wrote an article for Entrepreneur Magazine. I'm an executive contributor over there. And I wrote an article that talks about three different people. One person went from homeless to thousands of dollars of revenue from Clubhouse in a couple of weeks. Another one created a really beautiful um, sort of membership on the Clubhouse platform with private rooms. Like that, People are getting really creative over there. It's very fun. Nice one. Um, Justine, I, I, why don't we just pause for a minute and let me have, have a quick look to see if there's any questions come through. Now, for this, I need to use my phone because um, I still haven't figured out how to um, do it on the on the actual screen. So just bear with me. I, I think Facebook doesn't doesn't help. So uh, let's see if I can uh, if I can figure this out. And uh, oh, here we are. So managed to get it. Justine, I. I Sorry about that. Okay, here we go. Muted. And I can see uh, here, and we have, do have one comment, which is, uh, okay, Barbara is asking, um, how does that work if you don't have an Instagram or other audience already? It's very chicken and egg. So how did you get your first audience members in order to have anything at all to offer? So how did you, so Barbara wants to know kind of a bit of a backstory about you personally. How yeah. did you get into Instagram and how did you start? 
I mean, how I started was just deciding to start, right? Like everyone, once you realize everybody starts from zero, no one just walks onto Instagram with a hundred thousand followers, right? Like every time we do something, we're new at it. And instead of worrying about, you know, how do I, how do I create an audience? I don't have any content here. I don't have any people following me. You've just got to decide I'm going on Instagram and I'm building my audience and I'm going to test and try different methods of doing that until I get to a certain point, right? Like you are committed and you make that part of your focus goals. You prioritize it on your list of daily actions. It is just something that you decide to do with Instagram specifically. I use something called the 180 method and it is not mine. It is something that Gary V actually developed and it's a really smart way of going about Instagram where you focus on creating hashtags that are amazing for your industry. You're you're automatically already using those on your profile. So the ones that you feel your audience is going to be searching for most, you take the top 10 of the 30 hashtags that you're using and you go find the top nine posts from that hashtag and you leave your two cents, right? So nine posts for 10 hashtags, leaving your two cents equates to $1.80. So that is what the 180 method is at its simplest form. Um, Again, on the Ask the Marketing Expert podcast, I did an entire episode on the 180 method, and there's one about how to find your perfect and ideal hashtag strategies. So feel free to check those out if you feel stuck when it comes to hashtags or the 180 method. But essentially, social media is not like cleaning your toilet or mowing the lawn, right? It's not a tedious task that you should not look forward to. It is social. You're meant to connect with people. And I believe that marketing at its core is really just connecting people that with people that you like in spaces you enjoy being in, right? It's not about, it's not about doing what you love to make money. It's about loving how you make the money. So you've got to find the platforms that are the most aligned with you. If you don't like doing reels, don't do them, right? If you don't love video, don't be on TikTok right? Don't force yourself to be on platforms that are not aligned with who you are and your skill sets. And if you're not even looking, I have clients who are not even on social media. They have zero social media presence. They strictly focus on audience building through local networking communities, referral partnerships, and they attend virtual networking events and they've built authority. One of my clients has several books that she has published. She's a psychologist. She works with people in her space locally. She's part of a BNI group and we get creative when it comes to social media. She's really only been on there for a limited amount of time. And for a lot of platforms, it's just not aligning. I have another client who does everything through LinkedIn, which has a totally different feel than Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. It's a very like professional setting. It's a totally different vibe. You're putting out more like blog-based content, like long-form articles or posts. Polls have just become really popular on LinkedIn. So doing some polls of your audience, which kind of feels more like survey-oriented. It doesn't feel like you have to be there all the time. And it's very much uh, oriented towards messaging and having direct one-to-one -one conversations versus spending all of your time, like Facebook is a very 
um, high engaged platform. So you're going to end up inevitably spending a lot more time on Facebook, which is why a lot of people are not in love with the idea of being on Facebook or Instagram, because the life of a post on Facebook and Instagram is pretty much like between 36 and 48 hours is how much time you get with people. And on LinkedIn, it can be as much as a week. And so you really got to decide how often am I able to create content? What are the types of content that I enjoy creating? And how do I get creative about creating my email list and building that audience if that is the focus goal? So you don't need multiple social platforms. You don't need to be on any one specific one. It's about figuring out what's ideal for you. Yeah, that, that's that's really good tip. And also, I'd, I'd like to add something there is one thing, and I, I know this is my mistake with Instagram. And I I actually a couple of weeks ago we had a like an Instagram specialist, and she was looking at my profile, and she was saying, you know, I'm not really. I mean, I can see you're like an app developer, you're doing this that, and the other, but what is it really that you know? What why are you here? And that kind of made me think about my positioning, and it's kind of made me realize that I'm, I'm a bit too wide. So I'm a dude who's, you know, is making money online. He's coming out with his software, you know, has got these um, live calls on Facebook. But what is it? What kind of value are you bringing to the marketplace? So what I would say to Barbara is really niche down in a big, big way. Because once you do that, you really know why you're there. That's going to determine the people you're going to be approaching, the, the, uh, the sort of connections you're going to go after, the comments, the hashtags. Because we're not just in the make money online niche. That's way, way, way too wide. It's going to be a sub, sub, sub niche of that. And, and that's not in the make money online. That's, to, you know, if you're selling uh, supplements or whatever it is you're doing, you need to really niche down. And that's going to impetus. That's going to give you energy to actually go out and find the right contacts and then make make connections with them. So that's something I would just add to, to what it is you said. But that's really, really good. I have a great tip for this, what you just talked about. So uh, what I tell my clients is to pick three words, an adjective, a verb, and a noun. That is going to describe what you do. You have to choose those three words. So for me, it, it the adjective is compassion, right? Because I'm the founder of Compassionate Marketing. I am a compassionate human. I want to be around as many compassionate people as possible. So when I type in compassion, I'm finding things like heart-centered, soulpreneur, other words that relate to that, but that's my core word. And whenever I put out a piece of content, I want to make sure that it embodies compassion, right? So that's number one. The verb, or we'll go noun because we're going in the order that you wrote it. So the noun would be the people that you serve. So I say entrepreneurs. I have a very wide niche in terms of who I serve audience-wise, I have a very narrow niche in terms of the offer that I have. And that's how I believe niching should work. You've got a very specific skill set to deliver to people. What is that skill set? Because it will automatically weed out all of the people who don't need what you have to offer, right? You're providing a specific solution to people. So the, the noun for me is entrepreneur because I serve all entrepreneurs. So everything that I post has to do with running your own business. And if it doesn't, it doesn't fit into the category. And the hashtags, again, circled around entrepreneurship, business owner, 
woman founder, CEO, male founder, like all of those types of words are in that realm of that noun. Then the verb that I choose depends on what I'm talking about at the time, but it could be selling or marketing or branding because those are my three verticals that I really have expertise in. So when I do a post, I want to make sure that those three verticals are really well represented. So if you think about it like this, it will be really, really simple for you to create high value content because you're hitting all three and there's never an overlap with the three. Nice one. Brilliant. Uh, we had another question here. That's that. That's probably a, a good place to um, to sort of bring bring the call to a finish. And that's uh, Barbara wants to know where did you say you created a podcast about that. So why don't we put down if people want to get a hold of you for uh, you know any sort of consultancy work or anything because you have really been giving us a, a huge amount of value here. So um, what, what what was the name of that podcast? Um, it's called Ask the Marketing Expert. And I'm going to be launching a new podcast in the next couple of weeks that is called the Compassionate Marketing Podcast. So both of those, the Ask the Marketing Expert podcast has um, gone to the top 10% of podcasts globally on marketing. And it is also, it's got about 75 episodes or so of content around sales, marketing, and branding. So that's a good one to check out. The Compassionate Marketing Podcast hasn't launched yet, but I've already done my first few interviews and they are phenomenal. The guests that I've had on there have been so amazing. Um, there's one person who just has developed, focused his entire career on developing communities. And we talk about how he went from four people at his first event to thousands of people at his events over the years and how he did that and some of his best lessons and takeaways. So really aligned with this conversation. Nice one. Beautiful. And if anyone wants to get, get a hold of you just for, I mean, do you do, because you mentioned you've got uh, coaching um, customers and such like. So if anyone wants. Yeah, I only have two offers. I don't do consulting work anymore. So that's kind of gone by the wayside since I've become a coach. I have a one-on-one -on -one coaching package and people can find information in my application form at growthmindsetmarketers.com. And then I also have a group program, which is the Compassionate Marketing Collective. It's $49 a month. You get on-demand coaching, unlimited support in a Facebook group, weekly calls, a library of amazing resources, process documents, all sorts of stuff. It's a really phenomenal place to be. Nice one. Brilliant. And I just want to cover because I wrote it down. Um, joint workshops and social media takeovers were about a thousand subscribers to my list in six months. So what was that? Then, what, was, what was the start of the sentence? Um, joint workshops and social media takeovers, like going on to someone's Instagram and then them coming onto your Instagram. And social media takeovers, is it? Yeah, that's what I call them. Right, I don't know okay. if that's a, a literal term that other people use, but that's just what I've always called them. Um, so that was about a thousand subscribers in six months. Um, media. So I was asked and interviewed to, um, the course creators network had me do an article on how I developed my first course and sold it. Uh, I was interviewed with the idea mensch in the growth of my coaching business in the first year. Like I just was invited to do all of these, um, media interviews and through those interviews, I added about 3,000 people in six months to my email list. So 
it's interesting because you're interviewed for things and you think, well, that's just a feature set, right? But they do put a bio with a link to your freebie at the bottom. And the reason why I had 3000 people added to my list from that one specific effort was because somebody saw my article because Idea Mensch gets like 80,000 hits per month. And they saw my article and said, oh my gosh, we downloaded your freebie. It is absolutely amazing, which by the way, has been the same freebie I've used for over a year and it has gotten people massive growth. So I still use it and I still get hundreds of downloads a month from it. But that one interview led someone to find that freebie link and ask if they could promote it on their site of a hundred thousand people, a hundred thousand monthly views. And I've gotten a ton of downloads just from that one exchange. So you never know, it might not come directly from the effort in the way that you were thinking, but all of these types of things really open you up to, you know, those opportunities. And the last one that we didn't cover yet was partnered concepts. So going back to that idea of the funnel is developing your own Facebook group with my Facebook group out of the almost 5,000 people I have in that group, 4,000 of them gave me their email when they joined the group. So as you have these concepts of like, I want to create a Facebook group, think about how you can weave in the email list to those efforts. I want to create an Instagram link in bio. I want to create a Facebook group link in the qualifying questions to join. I want to speak at events. Ask them if you can share a paid or free offer at the end of your discussion. Most people will allow you to do that. And in fact, I was just invited to speak at a Women in Business Summit with access to over 100,000 people. And she said, please include your freebie at the bottom so you can promote it to the list. And I reached out to her and said, I think I have a really amazing offer. I'm willing to discount it 95% for your audience because it's going to help them so much. Would you allow me to do that? And she said, yes, instantly. So you never know. Again, that goes back to do not be afraid to ask. Otherwise people would get on the freebie list. I could get hundreds of sales of that one tiny offer and help so many more people because it is such a high value offer. So think about what you can do, what you can offer, get creative. That is the key to all of it is just thinking with a very agile mind and always looking for solutions all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And there's one more that I, I wanted to add is uh, bring people onto a podcast because yeah. that's a good way to make contacts. And um, we, we've had uh, people on here that we've kind of uh, launched a product with, uh, had some amazing people on here, like uh, there was a guy uh, who's got a betting exchange. Uh, there was uh, someone who's who's making a full-time income from memes pages. Oh, fun. Yeah, he runs a university page based here in the UK, uh, which does, you know, that's what he does. But he just does memes for this marketing agency. So loads of win, wonderful stuff. And then that kind of opened doors to other forms of collaboration, isn't it? We've had one of the members in, in my coaching team who reached out to him about launching a product with him because he's got the insider knowledge. He's monetizing memes pages. I mean, how cool is that? So that's a good way to also to be building relationships, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, podcast and invite people on there. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. Yep. Nice one. And we have another question here from Barbara. Uh, do your podcasts connect to Clubhouse in some way? No, I don't do that. Um, I've 
opted out of doing that because I don't have my own room. So I don't have a place to host my own content like that. I go into Clubhouse strictly to um, participate in Q&A sessions and add value to people live. It's basically like hot seat coaching is what I do over there. Um, but I've seen a lot of people start to integrate their podcast with other platforms. I upload all the videos of my podcast to a YouTube channel. I just launched my YouTube channel in preparation for this new podcast being released. So I've been uploading all of my past episodes um, of Ask the Marketing Expert onto YouTube, and I'm going to be building out the YouTube channel to have that content be searchable because YouTube is the number two search engine. Um, but outside of that, you know, you could do live streams on Facebook and Instagram. You can use tools like StreamYard, have it streamed to all of the major platforms. If you do have a presence on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and Clubhouse and YouTube, you can do live streams on all of those platforms. You can get really strategic when it comes to integrated technology. So look at the tools that can help you facilitate that for sure, because it's just going to add to your exposure and reach. Keep in mind, the algorithm is only going to show your content to two to 5% of your audience at a time. So someone may not see it live, but if you've done it live and then have it stay there and stay active, you'll get more views as the days go on, which is what that 36 to 48 hour window is really for, is sort of like the residual effect of that effort. So don't be discouraged if you get no one on live or one or two people, because you never know what the impact of that is going to be over the course of the next few days following. Absolutely. No, brilliant. Um, okay, good. We're getting, uh, we're definitely getting some good feedback. Uh, Edward says, thanks, Justine. You gave some awesome advice. You're Smiley welcome. face and the thumbs up. And uh, we've got a couple of, couple of thumbs up, but a couple of hearts and everything. So uh, brilliant. So with that said, uh, thank you from me as well, Justine. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I would like to maybe invite you again uh, in the future to talk about some of the other stuff, like uh, how to build your podcast, because it sounds like you've had some really good success. Yeah. And also the um, the thing about the clubhouse. That's um, that's a really interesting platform for everyone here. So, um, yeah, let's be in touch. And uh, sure. thank you again for your time. You've been very gener generous with us. Thank uh, you so much, Dan. It was a pleasure. That wraps up this week's episode. If you loved what you heard here, please take a moment and leave an honest review. And if you want to quickly identify and solve for what's blocking your success, go watch my free training, Uncap Your Income. In under 30 minutes, you will get the exact action items you need to hit your next big goal. Click the link in the show notes or visit growthmindsetmarketers.com to watch right now.